0: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. So get going and start growing your business today, with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. service newsroom donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one every single gift makes a difference go to marketplace.org give tech big tech has a big cloud problem from american public media this is marketplace tech i'm lily jamali The thing we call the cloud might sound harmless, but that seemingly abstract place where the details of your digital life get stored takes a heavy toll on the environment. No, this cloud isn't something floating in the air. It is millions of individual servers running in thousands of giant data warehouses around the world. We're outsourcing more of our data storage and everyday computing there all the time. If the servers fail, you might lose access to your emails, your precious photos, or that presentation you're editing with colleagues in real time. And so these servers run 24-7, which takes a lot of power and other resources too. Stephen González-Monserrate is a postdoctoral researcher at Goethe University in Frankfurt, Germany, where he studies cloud data centers and what they're doing to the planet.
1: Cloud is a metaphor, um, but what what we really are referring to is a vast set of infrastructures that are mostly based on the ground, that are threaded um, through the ocean in, in fiber optic cables and undersea. Network of cables, uh, and satellites, and cellular towers are supplementary to that, but the the primary signal traffic is still happening, you know, on the ground and under the ocean. If we use the the metaphor of a cloud, we don't think of clouds as something that is polluting. In fact, clouds are a symbol of nature; they're a symbol of a world in balance, not a world that is uh, tipping out of balance.
0: You know, cloud data facilities have you know very real environmental impacts. Can you talk about First of all, the large carbon footprint. How big is that carbon footprint? Is there a way to quantify it globally?
1: The electricity consumed by data centers, you know, does contribute a significant carbon footprint. For data centers specifically, it's something in the order of 0.5% of all greenhouse gas emissions globally. But if you, you know, extend that to include everything that the internet touches, devices, devices, all the, the transmitters, the internet exchange centers, everything that is the cloud, we say, it's it's about 2% of greenhouse gas emissions, which is roughly the equivalent of the airline industry.
0: And these data centers are filled with servers that are running all the time, which, of course, generates a lot of heat. Using air conditioning to cool things down can be very energy intensive. So some companies are looking to water instead. Can you explain that?
1: So even though the data storage industry has grown significantly in the last six years, the amount of electricity that they are consuming and the amount of carbon emissions that they have you know, been producing has kind of leveled out. I mean, it, it has been increasing, but not in, in exponential uh, margin. And so one of the ways they were able to achieve that is by turning to water as a cooling agent. They pipe water through the data center and the water of collects up the heat and draws it away from the computers. And so on average, a single data center can consume anywhere from three to 10 million gallons of water per day. And, you know, I think it's, again, it's, it's good to think with those numbers. They're not exact. They can't be. And part of the reason is because of this atmosphere of secrecy that has been around water use. They have framed it as a trade secret. And uh, until recently, many of them, including Google, were not actually telling us how much water they are used. And when people tried to find out that information, it was privileged information. That is changing. Um, Google is trying to be a little bit more transparent. Some other companies are following suit. But what we can say for certain is that the water issue is not going away. It's only going to increase. Um, About 20% of the data centers in the U.S. are located in watersheds that are vulnerable, um, that are either in active drought or in a severe state of water uh, stress.
0: Now, you spent some time studying the community surrounding data centers in places with vulnerable watersheds, and those places include Arizona. Um, What did you hear from people living near these facilities? Are they concerned about things like water use and carbon emissions?
1: So it was a really interesting experience uh, doing this ethnographic research in in Arizona. And and yes, there there are actually a lot of people who have been uh, organizing um, in their communities uh, against the data centers. Uh, Water is an issue that is on the minds of a lot of those folks. And there are also communities in, uh, say, Valencia, New Mexico, who are organizing against the data centers because the farmers are competing with the server farms for water and the farmers are actually having uh, a lot of um, issue just getting the water that they need to grow food Um, meanwhile the data centers in in those communities are consuming so much water that it's it's causing a huge strain and so yes there were a lot of folks who were who were um, concerned about this uh concerned about the future of the valley in in arizona for instance and how how data centers fit into this especially as more and more being constructed and we're looking at an area that's facing the historic drought, the likes of which has not been seen for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years by some measures. So when we talk about climate change, we also have to remember that in addition to greenhouse gas emissions, desertification is one of the key drivers of climate change, as the United Nations IPCC report has outlined for us.
0: We'll be right back. Welcome back. As you've been sharing some of this, I've been thinking about, you know, all of the photo outtakes and silly tweets over 12, 13 years that are up there in the cloud or down here in the cloud, really, and um, thinking about how do we really need all that junk <laughs> Um I don't see how I'm going to get rid of all of that. It's probably just going to stay there in perpetuity. But I do think, you know, there must be some alternatives to these huge cloud data centers. And I wonder what your take is on that.
1: Your question really gets at one of the major kind of paradoxes of of the cloud is that this infrastructure, the servers, they have to be disposed of every two to three years. Digital information is actually not very durable. And in fact, most of the solid state drives that we possess, like our computers, our phones, those drives will start to experience information um, de- degradation. So we call it bit rot in the industry within a decade. Part of the unsustainability of the cloud is not only the energy and the water, but the, the stuff, the materials, the metals, all the this stuff that makes up the information ecologies. And so there, there does have to be an alternative because Um, You know, the cloud is an information storage system, but it's also remote computational power that we outsource to computers that are far away from us to, I don't know, um, (laughs) make an AI-generated image of ourselves uh, in an anime style, for instance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is really important stuff, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But then the flip side of that is storing it. And I think that, you know, we don't have a lot of alternatives on the horizon for doing the computational work more uh, efficiently, or but we do have a lot of alternatives on the horizon for storing information more efficiently. So some of them are uh, molecular based. So actually using synthetic DNA as a medium for information storage. Life itself being a proof of concept that um, you know molecules can store information. That kind of information ecology based on molecules is is being explored by private industry, but also artists who are uh, finding ways, artists and engineers are finding ways to encode information into into living tissues, so an, an internet of plants, <laughs> if you will. But so there are alternatives on the horizon um, that are emerging technologies that we could use that would significantly reduce the energy consumption of our digital activity.
0: That was Stephen Gonzalez-Monserrate at Goethe University. When it comes to doing the numbers on big tech's energy use at all those data centers, some companies are more transparent than others, with Amazon considered by critics to be one of the more cagey companies. But reporters at Insider shed some light on Amazon's energy use last week after reviewing permits filed by the tech giant to build more data centers in Virginia. According to the Insider article, with the addition of new Amazon data centers, the power footprint for Amazon's Northern Virginia portfolio will amount to at least 2.7 gigawatts. That's 35% more than the entire power grid of the company's hometown of Seattle. Now, that is an estimate and one that Amazon disputes. The company says 90% of the electricity it consumed last year was attributable to renewable energy sources. We've got links for you to read that story, as well as a piece Stephen Gonzalez-Monserrate wrote for Wired about his research at our website, marketplacetech.org. Rosie Hughes produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine, I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist, and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion, I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like two hundred dollars a week. I'm Rima Chreis, host of Marketplaces. This is uncomfortable.